Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. This week's Eccentric Minute is one of the most slept-on exercises with the K-Box, and that is the K-Box Row. This exercise is going to tick a lot of boxes and really make you fight to hold your posture while working on your pulling power. For this, give yourself a little extra slack with the strap, not too much, but just enough to avoid the jarring action at the top. Give the wheel a good spin, sit your hips back, and fight to hold that position. Pinch your shoulder blades down and back, try to drive your elbows behind you, and keep fighting to not let that wheel pull you forward and make you lose your posture as you go through the exercise. This is an absolutely sensational, big bang for your buck exercise that you and your athletes, I'm sure, will love. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat. Well, you can find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over 100 different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Doc, fired up, man. So glad we could get this down. So glad we could find the time to be together. This is going to be great. I'm stoked. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm I'm likewise stoked and uh, an honor to be on. And when I when I got the message, I was like, man, let's do this. This feels like a little full circle for me. Yeah, man. Well, listen, bud. Before we get too far into this, let's let the you know half of a human being who doesn't know, you know, who is Dr. Ramsey and where you went and how'd you get down to Lawrence, bud? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, currently uh, work with University of Kansas men's basketball, starting my second season now. And, uh, you know, I've had some great experiences, great fortune, great luck to kind of end up in in the Midwest and in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, I'm a basketball guy, so that, you know, probably explains the excitement that I had when, when Coach Self gave me the call for this opportunity. Um, but, you know, grew up in California, grew up in the Bay Area. Uh, undergrad and in grad school, kind of in Southern California, so never really lived outside of California. Traveled outside of California because I spent five years in the NBA where I was able to travel a good amount um, with the Sacramento Kings and then uh, did that for five years, uh, was an assistant for two, the head guy for three, and then, uh, you know, going into really gearing up for my fourth season as the head guy with, with the Sacramento Kings. I got that phone call from Coach Self just last uh, last August, I think it was. And, um, you know, it's funny, originally I actually really didn't want to leave Sacramento. And, and part of it was just the roots of me being from California and, but, but probably the bigger part of it was my dream job was always to get to the NBA. So it was really hard for me to actually look at what I thought was my dream job and then basically turn it down to go somewhere else. Um, 
and even at, at some level, right, some people think it was like a down, down step in a career kind of because you're going from the NBA to college, which I certainly wouldn't agree with. But, um, you know, a lot of things kind of lined up and I'm sure stuff that we'll get into here, but it just it, it ended up making a, a ton of sense for me that this was the right move at the right time, kind of where I am in my career. And and I'm now 29, but I was 28 then. And and I say that just to say that I, I have a, you know, I have a 10 year gap between me and my players at this point, right? Most of them are 18, 19, 20. And that that 10 year gap, that decade of difference, actually I think lends to a lot of experiences and lessons that I'm able to pour back into them now. Um, you know, I don't think the value that I'm, I'm trying to bring now would be there if I was, you know, 22, 23 or starting my career off just because there's some life lessons, some of the stuff we've already talked about before we started recording. But those things are like, you know, where I'm fired up to, to, to bring value to these guys here in Kansas. Dude, 100%. And I think that what's really cool about your voyage is you were a head strength coach in the NBA at 24, 25. 25. Right. So, like, dude, like, you you were there. Like, that is, like, if you work in ball, like, other than maybe Team USA, like, maybe, like, that's the top of the top. And yeah. you were working with the best of the best. And now you have an opportunity to come to Lawrence where you're working with some guys that are okay. You know, it's, it's an okay program in right, KU. Right. Yeah. And you can bring so many, not just basketball lessons, not just training lessons, but real life pro lessons to these young men. Yeah, those are things that, that I try to do. And you know, one thing I also try is I try to be cognizant of that voice that I can bring because, you know, you don't want to be the guy who's who is a broken record of every day you remind them I was at the NBA and this is how it needs to be done. And um, so you don't want to, you don't want to wear out that kind of voice. Um, so I try to pick and choose those moments where I, where I kind of bring that to them. And, um, and it, it is nice because you can tell that, you know, at times when I start kind of get on my pedestal and talk about some of these things, whether it's work, whether, you know, work habits, um, whether it's ambitions, whether it's, um, you know, getting them to commit to the process, like all of those things. And I start talking about examples from the NBA that, you know, they're so locked in and dialed in with me. And so I want to, you know, I always try to remain very uh, respectful and responsible of, of that voice. Cause I know that if I use it, they're going to lock in with me and, and really focus and digest it. So, yeah, no, it, it's great, man. That, and, and you mentioned kind of the, the Kansas program, obviously historic program, but one of the great opportunities is most of these guys have ambitions for the NBA and most of them have a chance. And so that makes it a fun environment for me to kind of lean on some of that experience from, from my past five years. Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, we were talking about some personal experiences that I think are, are it, people love to talk about these things, you know, and like they, I'm sure they would love for you and I to sit here and just be like, let's talk about our jump progressions and plyos and how we get into that and how that carries over to change a direction. But we've talked about that a trillion times. Like right. there's a, there's a Google bar, like people could find that like in two seconds. Yeah. But what they haven't heard us talk about is how, you know, you almost 30, me slightly over 30 uh, have, been through some other things that we're able to work with these young men about 
And I think that this is cool. I think that this is, I'm, I'm so stoked to get into this. Let's talk about how Ramsey is using real world things, real life things to not just help buy in, but help these men be better off in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, so many examples and it's funny like every day after our lift you know the pre-lift speech is you know what's on the menu today is there anything new um, my guys kind of know i don't change exercises often to to, to step into the snc world um, i don't change exercises often i try not to do it um you know I try to make sure that it's every three to four weeks if I'm going to change something. Like, I don't just throw something in and we're going to do it this Tuesday and never revisit it. Like, if we're going to do it today, we're probably going to do it the next Tuesday for the next three or four Tuesdays. And so there, there's, you know, basically one week every four to six weeks where each day starts with about five to ten minutes of me explaining new stuff. But after that week, we're basically going to rock for the next four weeks and there's not going to be any new exercises. So, like, the pre-lift speech is basically, you know, Nothing new, you know the drill. Last week y'all did this part, change it to this because I didn't like what that looked like, but let's get to work. So that one is quick. The post speech is kind of where we try to bring some of these other concepts. And I think that's what what bleeds into these these life lessons. And my guys know like, if I don't have something to say at the end of a lift, you really did incredibly well, which is rare, or you got on my nerves that day, which is, which is not as rare. Um, so they know typically if I say, yo, I don't got nothing for y'all today. And they know like, oh, damn, we didn't do too good today. Um, but those are the moments that we try to, you know, we try to use. So like, you know, example that, that we were talking about before is talking about the stock market with these kids, right? And, and, and exposing them to conversations that most of them have never had, right? You know, we've, we've got players that, that didn't grow up well off. They didn't grow up middle or upper, upper middle class. And, um, and they're, they're not used to some of those conversations, right? Or they're not used to someone literally telling them that somebody just made a million dollars in five minutes in the stock market and, and just exposing them to those ideas or like things that they may otherwise not be ever be exposed to if we don't do it as, as a strength coach or someone's got to do it. And, you know, so like, you know, one thing that comes to mind in that kind of discussion is one of my players sends me, uh, you know, an Instagram post on, um, a stock that ended up hitting really, really big. And if anyone follows stock market, don't know that a few months ago, Kodak camera company ballooned up from $2 to $52 in the matter of hours. And uh, there was, I think, investigations of insider trading, all this stuff. And, you know, my player sends it to me and I'm like, damn, how did we miss that one? And he said, I don't know, but I'm gonna find us the next one. So, you know, he's looking for the next stock. And, you know, I meanwhile, just take $100 and, you know, drop it on the, the Kodak shares and buy a few of them. And I knew that the bubble was busted. And this was going to be probably be a loss of you know, 50 to $80, right? But what it allows me to do now is continue that conversation. So now every few weeks I get to come in and say, yo, damn, I'm down $75 on that thing today. And it becomes this running joke. But now how do we use those, you know, what's fun to me is how do you use that conversation to go into the next conversation about life and, and whatever, right? And so that we talked about buying homes and real estate, right? We talked about, um, one thing I try to really get them to appreciate is don't just be a basketball player. Now at the college level, you can't skip that part because I have seen players who try to be more than basketball players before they've actually shown that they are a true basketball players, right? Those are your players in the NBA who got drafted off of a few good college games. I mean, you can have a good tournament in college and get, and get drafted, right? As crazy as it is, but um, 
But just because you get that first contract, like, and I've told my guys is the first contract is not enough for you to take care of the people you plan to take care of. You know, you got family members, you got nice things you want to buy. Like, and I always tell them, I'm not, I'll never be the guy that tells you don't buy a nice car or jewelry. Like if, if those things are things you want, fine. But you better make sure that you are working hard enough to earn that second contract because that first contract will run out quick. And so just trying to get them to understand those things are like, you can be more than a player, but you got to be a player. And, and those are things that I try to really get them to understand. First of all, that last line is worth its weight in gold. That, you know, you, you got to work to be a player. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so huge. And I think that there's, first of all, there's like three things that if you're a young coach and you get to work with people that have ambitions of being successful in anything, I need you to rewind this about three and a half minutes and listen to what Doc just shot at you again. Because this is something that I've, like we, we were talking a little before, like we're in the middle of 75 hard right now. So when this comes out in a week or so, we'll be almost done. And I can't wait to have dessert. But anyway, um, the big thing has been personal finance. You know, and we talk about this, you know, you bring up the stock market. Zach Dakin has brought that up too in these shows. We're talking about it. Brett Bartholomew has been talking about, you know, how awful we are. And Kier has been talking about how awful we are as a profession when it comes to our own personal finance. And it led me to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which if you haven't read it, I would highly recommend it. It's like nine bucks too. It's like, you know, whatever it may be. And changing that focus has really helped me start to have these conversations with these guys. And I think that that, the more that you're able to run down these different rabbit holes, like don't do what I did because it put me here versus look at this idea because it could put you there. Like that's not buy-in to front squat versus rear foot elevated split squat. That's buy-in to Doc and Jay. Like that's buy-in to like, yo, this dude's got me. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's something that's been so huge this past, like what's probably been five weeks, but feels like five years that it's, Mm -hmm. you know, It's really helped. And I think that this is something like we've probably, we've all talked about it, right? Like how much stuff in college did you learn? That's real. Right. You know, like these kids will never have to balance a checkbook because it's all online now. Right. But why would you, let's say you play in your first deal, even if it isn't in the league, let's say your first deal is in Italy. Why are you going to rent a spot? Now, if they give you a spot, different subject. Right. Well, why not buy a duplex and house hack out there and just mm-hmm. have somebody manage it when you go somewhere else? Like, yeah. start looking long-term, which all comes back to that idea. Like, people want to be the players, but you got to work to be a player. Oh, for sure. For sure. We talked about – I think it's – you know, you said something there that I think is so, so true, but yet so overlooked, which is – our players aren't buying into the program. They're buying into us as coaches, right? They're buying into you. They're buying to me and whoever's listening and your athletes. They're truly buying into you. So you can preach the program all day long and you can preach the results that will come from it. I feel like that's a slippery slope because no, like, no matter how good you are at programming 
every single person is going to respond different to a lot of different things. And unless you have a very invasive individual laboratory, it's very hard to know how all these things actually play out within the individual, right? We know that if we increase volume and load over time, then there's likely going to be a hypertrophic response and muscles will grow. Okay, fair. But how you're 15 guys are going to respond individually is a bigger question mark. So getting them to buy, I think, into the results that they may or may not achieve in the next four to eight weeks is, is, could be a slippery slope. Now, for the most part, especially the college level, most of these guys are untrained. So as long as they come in, show up consistently and try to add a little bit of load every time, well, the results will be there. But what's more important, I think, is, is, is the former, which is buying, getting them to buy into you. And I think, you know, what comes to mind for me is you, you talked about players with ambition and, and because we have those players, I think what comes to it is actually a huge responsibility on us to hold them accountable and help them achieve those things. And I think it's so, so easy for, and I've done it too, and, and we all fall into it, but a player comes in late or a player gives a, a, a shit effort um, or a player is distracted the whole day. Uh, or a player is complaining about a little nagging thing that they probably could work, you know, all the things that we deal with. And it's so easy and I fall into it. So I'm not on a pedestal pretending I don't, but it's so easy to say, ah, shit, he's just being lazy that day. That's fair, but just know you got a responsibility to get him out of that mode because he has ambitions. Now you can always turn it back on them, which I try to do. And I always remind them, like, I tell my guys all the time, you don't want to train, don't train. The exit door is right there. You can go back to wherever, the locker room, I don't care. But just know if you want to get better and reach your goals, you better keep showing up. And I think that we have that responsibility, and, and that's the art of coaching, right, how, how we decide to use that and, and get the buy-in. But as soon as you get them to buy into you, the other stuff becomes so much easier. And which, which I guess brings me to like another point, which is every day I feel like I'm trying to sell myself with my guys, right? Like every time that they give me their attention, I feel like I better do a very good job of selling to them why they want to be in here right now at this moment, why they want to give effort, why they want to show up tomorrow morning when it's snowing outside and they got to walk from their dorm all the way across campus to this weight room and it's 20 degrees outside. And I need them to get there on that VersaClimb with me at 8 a.m. Like, and not to mention, they don't even have to go to class because it's online anyways, right? Like, how do I sell that? You better get them to buy in. Yeah. I mean, that would be a hard sell for me. Like, to, <laughs> and I'm a guy. Shoot, I'm, I'm from where Kodak's from, man. I'm from upstate New York. I'm used to 10 feet of snow. Well, was used to. I've been down below the Mason-Dixon line for almost 20 years now. So I don't know if right. I can deal with that. But, yeah, man. And I think that. Another thing, and, and this is just to kind of go off and, and be a little kind of selfish with this because this is something that I'm not very good at. So I, want, I would love to hear your input on this. Another thing that people don't understand about you, Doc, is you got like a, you got a baller tree with you too. Like you've, you've coached some great coaches in the game right now. When you look back and we look at these things that we were just talking about, whether it be the financial stuff or just the outside of the game stuff, or even the simple things like, you know, mini muffins probably isn't a good meal guys, like things like that. When you look at that and you're mentoring coaches going back, where are some things that you think we should be better at when Austin have been in the game, 
get the opportunity to to teach and work with these younger coaches? Oh man, I I don't know if I would have a, uh, an opinion on on kind of that latter part of like where I think guys who have been in the game doing it much longer than me can be better. Like I I would never even you know touch that because I have so much respect for I mean for people like yourself, right? You've been You've been there now for 17 years with basketball, 15? Yeah, this is your 17. I mean, you know, so, like, for me, like, it's like, man, the work that you put in, I wouldn't even graze the conversation of what I think you guys or, or people who have been doing it much longer than me should be doing um, better. Because, I, I, you know, that almost feels like a disservice. Because I've had – I have mentors. You know, one of my mentors was, you know, Chip Schaefer, who was uh, – He's now with the Bulls, but, you know, and he was with the Bulls back in the 90s. So he was, you know, the head athletic trainer with Phil Jackson and Jordan, all those guys. And it's funny, I think back to our conversations and I was the young, energetic guy who had an opinion on so many things. And and I just imagine at times he probably would look at me like, look at this young kid, just, you know, he's running around just banging pots and pans in this way. He doesn't know what he's doing, right? Um, but, you know, I I do, the, the one thing that, that I, I would, you know, that comes to mind at least is, is just the amount, the same amount of, of pride that we take when it comes to training these athletes. You know, I've tried to take that same amount of, you know, investment in the guys that I've been fortunate to work with on the coaching side, right? The guys that, that have been able to help me get to where I'm at, right? And then help me, you know, um, kind of establish myself as a coach and, and I use that word kind of cautiously because I only, you know, I've only been coaching now for 10 years. So, you know, how established am I? You know, I learn something new every day, it feels like. Um, but I just think that investment, that the same amount of investment that you might put into your needs analysis and your and your macro planning and your flexible programming and the decisions you make every single day for training your athletes, you know, I just try to put that same amount of investment in the guys that, that I'm fortunate to work side by side with in that process. Yeah, man, I'm with you 100% with that. And I think that, you know, all too often, as, as, as an older head, I guess I could say at this point, some shoot, they call me graybeard, so I guess, you know. But I think that when we run into to people who are newer into it, and we, we have the ability to bring coaches along and you have positions where they can start. I think all too often we start throwing like the, you got to read this training book. You got to read that training book. And whether or not these young people are in a position where their first job even has specific benefits, like we sh I, I really do think we should do a better job talking with them about like the same stuff we were talking about with the guys. You know, like, what can you do to make sure that, like, you're in a better place than I'm at when you're 40? You know, like, here are some things that I messed up on. Like, pump them. You know, there's brakes and, the, you know, there's a, there's a brake pedal for a reason. Like, mm -hmm. because you can slow down and take a look at things and realize that, like, Decisions have everlasting effects that you're never going to be able to reverse. So how can those decisions be the ones that are going to leave you in the most positive situation when you go forward? Mm -hmm. And in our little corner in the sporting world, I don't think we have those conversations enough. And I don't think, and I think that's why one of two things happen. 
either people don't retire as strength coaches or people are just old and bitter and they get stuck having to keep coaching and you get pushed out to like work with just some smaller Olympic sport team when you were, you know, the head honcho or whatever, just to try to survive at the end. Yeah. And that blows, man. Like there's people who have paved the way for us that have had to run to other jobs mm-hmm. because they were either unable or un educated in how to better themselves Mm. and then i almost look at it like we need to do this for them because imagine this bro how much more real would you be in a conversation if a player is being something or a coach is being something if you knew you were okay like when you were younger you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying like i'm not saying like we'd be a jerk but like, right. we've all had to bite our tongues because it's like, yo, I gotta pay rent or I gotta pay my mortgage or I gotta, yeah. I'm hungry, you know. Yep. And I feel like that's something. That's the next thing for people who are going to be leading coaches to help them lead coaches to be better. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. And I, and I, and I know others that that you've already mentioned have have started actually, like, I think even move part of their career towards some of that stuff, right? And, and, and there's certainly no shortage of people who have said, you know, who, who have criticized our industry, which I would agree with, like, us strength coach, especially the younger strength coach, and I was so guilty of it. So, again, like, I'm not excusing myself from, from this, this criticism, but, you know, everyone's been that guy that's like, man, I put in 50 hours this week. I, I live on that workout floor. And it's like, well, okay. But I, when I was saying those things, I guess I wasn't also paying attention to the bank account and realizing like I was paid pennies for that. Now I don't want to skip again. Like we can't skip the work and, and there's something to be said about paying your dues and, and learning how to coach and learn, like learning those things. And you got to be on the floor for those things. Um, but we take so much pride in, bringing more value than we get paid for when the conversation should just be the other side of the coin like let's just get paid for the value we bring and then let's just bring a whole lot of damn value which you know goes back to some of the stuff we've already talked about but it's just like and and give, you know if you're 20 and you're listening to this maybe you know maybe it's too early to start shifting you know don't again don't skip the work make sure you're on the workout floor coach your butt off put the hours in but instead of thinking about or bragging about the amount of time you spent coaching, like just shift your focus to value, like just bring more value. And if you can just bring so much damn value, then eventually the entire field elevates because it's just like, like there's strength coaches, especially in college football, right? There's some, there's some strength coach who gets a million dollars a year. I don't know who he is. I don't know his names. There's surveys out there that show some of these figures and you start to think about like, you know, early in my career, I'm like, damn, that's crazy. But now I'm like, well, why is that crazy? Because that team that he works for is worth this amount of money. They bring in this amount of money and he brings this amount of value relative to that entire process. So the way I look at that is he's, he's underpaid, right? Like, and I think just that mindset, it's just a mindset. It's it's not like you got to put your pants on differently. It's just a mindset of 
relative to the amount of things that are going on, what is the value you bring? And then there's a dollar amount to that. And I think that as an industry, we can, we can begin to, I think if we can begin to appreciate those things, then I think overall it elevates because I think it goes back to what you just said. There's so many strength coaches that, that don't retire, that are burnt out and they're stuck or they get pushed out or they're, you know, one thing that, that I started to think about even really, I think after my second year, in the in the MBA as, as the head guy as the assistant you just put work in signed my first contract which was amazing like I remember that day it was awesome year one I knew I was 25 year one mindset was put your head down and work don't skip a beat and don't miss a layup like you can't do that because you're 25 and there's although the people who promoted me and hired me trusted me certainly there was people in there that may not have thought that was a smart decision, right? Or maybe there was people who were, on the, who were on the fringe and they were like, well, let's give him a shot, but if it doesn't go well, we can fire him and okay. So year one was put your head down and bring so much damn value that nobody questions this. Year two was, okay, well now you've got a contract, but you got 24 months until it runs out. My first contract was a three-year deal. And I think it's, maybe, maybe that was the shift for me. like when you have a contract and you see a date that says you will no longer be paid after this date and you buy your first house when I was, you know, 25 in Sacramento, bought my first house, you start to think about, Oh shoot, if that date comes and and we have a new GM or a new coach or a new director, somebody doesn't like you anymore. Well, they don't have to pay you anymore. They don't even have to fire you. They can literally just let it expire. And as soon as I saw that, I started to realize I better start to think about financial freedom. I better start to think about, because the option for me was, okay, well, what are you going to do if they don't renew your contract? Well, I guess I'll just look for the next MBA job. But what if that MBA job is somewhere you don't want to be or an organization you don't want to be at or with people you don't like to work with? You better start to figure some things out. And so that was when the shift became like, stop letting your job determine your life and start to let your life and your career come together in a way that is ultimately what you just said. If, if I don't want to hold my tongue, I don't have to hold my tongue. How do you create that? Um, and again, like it's, I'm not saying be an ass, like, you know, you kind of mentioned that, like, of course, we're not saying that, but I think it's just financial freedom. And, and what that means is different for everybody. Like, I don't, I don't need a Bugatti. Like I, I was driving a Honda Accord, you know, so I'm not that guy that needs that stuff. But, but what you don't want to have is an expiration date on your income when you have expenses. So. I think that there's two things you said in there that I wish I would have known as a 24 year old driving from Terre Haute, Indiana to Richmond, Virginia. The first of which is shift your focus to providing value. I think that we all too often think that what we do is the value. Like stronger, jump higher, run faster, more resilient, but that might not be the value to our point guards. So finding what that value is. And the second, and again, like I'm the first person to say, you got to put the work in. I'm tired of hearing people talk about how we got to do X, Y, and Z for new positions. Like, yo, I made a thousand dollars a month when I started and I had 12 teams. Like there are just some things you got to do. But setting yourself up so that you can stop letting your job control your life mm. 
doesn't necessarily start with making enough money to buy a Bugatti. Dude, if I had a Bugatti, I wouldn't even know what to do with myself. Like, I'm like, my Hyundai is fine. Like, right. it gets me from A to B. Like, I don't, I'm not flashy like that. Right. But what can you do to make sure that you're moving forward towards whatever, again, financial freedom is for you? Man, if when I was 24, if I would have heard those two things, first of all, I probably would have told us both to kick rocks. <laughs> but I think that I probably would have walked away, pouted a little bit, and then been like, they're right. How do I reshift what I'm doing? Mm. Because for so long, it's always just been about hashtag grind and this and that. Like, yo, yeah. like, bro, we're coming to the season. It's, who knows what our lives are about to be like? Right. Like, we might be stuck places for two weeks, like, for all we know right now. Like, how are you going to pack for an overnight? Like, right. like this is tough. <laughs> like, I didn't even think of that until, like, right now. Like, how are you going right. to pack? Like, what happens? But, like, we're going to have time still, even if it's a half an hour a day, to, mm. to look and find things to better yourself with and to take yeah. notes and to know – Maybe I'm not going to invest a ton of other personal resources right now, but I'm going to be ready to come May, hopefully, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think that that's where a lot of us back in the early 2000s where we, it, it was a big swing and a miss, man. Mm -hmm. And you know, like one thing you mentioned there is, you know, it, it, just this shift and so much of like two things came to mind is, there's two ways that you could immediately do this. Like, I think sometimes you start to talk about some of these, these higher, you know, concepts and it's like, I so abstract, like what's going, like there's two things that come to mind immediately. Like if you want to bring more value to your athletes, literally just walk up to them. Like I will do, I will hold myself accountable today on the day that we are recording this. There is, there are two athletes in my mind that I have challenged you know, a little bit extra the past couple of weeks, seasons gearing up, right? So we're all in this mode. There, But there's two of them that come to mind, and I'll do this across the board, but today I will do it with two of them, and I'll hold myself accountable to this. Go and ask them, and I'll do the same. Hey, man, how can I bring you more value? Like, like what, what can I do more for you? And you may get a response that doesn't blow you away. Nah, coach, everything you're doing is great. Okay. There might be some BS behind that, but okay. Or you might get someone that, that hints at something and don't skip that hint. Schedule a meeting. Like, man, I love that. Like, I didn't even know that I was doing that. I can, I can do better. Hey, man, let's meet, let's meet tomorrow 10 minutes before the lift. Like, just show up 10 minutes. Let's sit down. Boom. So if you want to bring more value in the weight room to your players, go ask them how you can do that. Like, I think and, and, and maybe it's because I'm close enough to, to my guys or, or in age or so, you know, I try to feel for them or, you know, I don't know what it is, but I just, I feel like in our industry, it's so easy to sit on the authoritarian side and sit there and say, well, I'm, I'm the coach. I'm going to tell you what to do. Uh, okay. I don't know about that. Like this, this to me is a relationship and a relationship is a two-way road and I got expectations of you and you got expectations of me. 
and let's make sure we're meeting those the same way we have expectations in for our friendships at home or our significant others. Like, let's talk about them. Let's put them on the table with our athletes. But in the other end of it, we talked about kind of our peers or, or other coaches, like text a group of your coaching friends or your friends in general. Like you want to shift some conversations. Hey, y'all, what is financial freedom? Like, I just want y'all to know I'm thinking about this. And these are conversations that we actually have. Like one of my guys, Evan Van Beesler at Oregon, you know, um, he's a guy that he was ahead of that stuff before me. So when he came in to help, help me out in Sacramento, he was already on some of that stuff. And now, like, we're having – we just did a Zoom meeting, myself, him, and a couple other guys, and we're talking about, yo, like, how, how we get into this? What, what should we be doing? What's retirement? And, may, you know, we're all around that age now. Around 30 is where you start to really start thinking about retirement. You wish you were thinking about it when you were 20. But, like, just text your buddies, throw it out there, and say, like, yo, I'm thinking about this. I don't want to do this. I want to make sure I'm set up this. If you guys are thinking about this, boom. And you will be surprised at where your peers are at if you let them talk about it, right? And maybe it turns into, like you just talked about, a little book club. Like, hey, let's all read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Let's, let's get on the same wavelength with some of this stuff. Because there's you're going to have conversations anyways. Do you want to talk about that video on Instagram that you saw, or do you want to talk about retirement? Now, the video on Instagram is probably funnier and more engaging, but at, at some point, you got to shift that focus, right? So, I think it's there's so many practical ways to actually do these things. Yes, 100%. And when it comes to bringing people together and talking about those things, I would be remiss if I let you get out of here without talking about this little project you got going on. Because I want to make sure that we provide some, some, some voice and some value to you know the performance coach uh, certification that you're doing and the work that you're doing with the performance program. So where can we find information on that? Where can we get coaches involved with that? And how can we make sure that people are in the know and, and following through with all this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate you, you know, you bringing it up. And um, so, you know, I guess a shameless plug would be appliedperformance.com or appliedperformancecoach.com, excuse me. Um, so that's just a website. It's just a landing page right now with an email subscription, but um you know, everything we've just talked about for the past 30 minutes is kind of what had led to the development of, of this. Um, you know, early on in COVID, when COVID hit in March, you know, immediately in March, you're like depressed because you're like, man, they just took the tournament for us. And I've, I've never been in a March. I've never been to a tournament. So I'm like, yo, this is the first one. I'm here. We were the number one team. We were rolling. I'm like, this is about to go down. And then they took it. And so the first two weeks, you're like, oh, my goodness. And, and it was one of those things, too, right, where you, you start to look at your program. You're like, oh, no, the, the plan was perfect. They were peak. They were ready. Like, it was all this stuff. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, they took it. So, so I just say that to say that that was the start of a lot of free time. And uh, I saw I – think, I think I saw some gaps in kind of the industry and in, in where I think I could provide value from a continuing ed um, perspective. Um, and then, you know, the other end of it is like kind of like a mentorship aspect of it, um, which to me just, just brings, brings other aspects. Continuing education so often is just content expertise so much. So like down to like the niche of one aspect of what we do, like you want to go get a certification in movement assessment. You can do that. You want a certification in mobility. You can do that. You want a certification in you know, squat bench deadlift, you can like, 
there's so many little, I, I guess, very niche ones that are out there. And, and, you know, what I started to see, especially with Instagram, and it's so easy to share information is like, what's the framework that, that young, mostly young coaches have to start to piece some of this together in an applied fashion. And then it's like, well, why would you stop at content expertise or domain expertise or the traditional continued ed servicing? Like, what about professionalism, right? What about coaching practices and piecing some of this together? And then obviously career development. So, you know, I kind of created something along those three kind of pillars, three C's, what I've, I've kind of turned them, which is content expertise, coaching practices, and then career development. And, and just trying to touch on everything that we kind of just touched on and try to build it around a 16 week course, which is similar to it, it. It will feel like a classroom, online classroom environment with different aspects of, um, you know, video and reading and, and, you know, talking of shop and presenting and different things. And, um, but yeah, it, it was just me kind of looking at the landscape, seeing, seeing something that I thought wasn't there. And rather than being like the guy on the sideline critiquing stuff and not doing anything about it, you know, I thought we'll put some skin in the game and do something about it. So, you know, try to do that. And the response has been pretty good so far. Like I said, we won't have that email list and we'll probably kick off pre-sale um, this Friday. So I don't even know if this would be out by then, but uh, yeah, I mean, you can find more about it uh, on that, that landing page there at www.appliedperformancecoach.com. I just signed up. I'm in on the, I'm in on the newsletter. I'm going to make sure that this gets out because I think that at the end of the day, if what we all say we are trying to do, and that is help coaches be better and help the, the next generation be better then well, we better damn well be getting better too. And we better be finding a way to make sure that we're, we're in with that also. And uh, doc, I'm fired up, man. Like, I can't thank you enough for spending the time with us today. This is awesome. And keep leading from the front, man. I, I you know, I, uh, this has been a great talk and I can't thank you enough for everything, not just that you've done when it comes to helping build better coaches and put out great information, but you know, how you keep striving and driving to get everybody better from the guys you get to work with to all of us in the field, man. I, I'm truly grateful to have you as a colleague. Thank you very much. Man, thank you, John. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you inviting me. And, um, you know, as much as, as what you said is, is flattering, like you're a guy who's put in, you know, 16 years now with, with men's ball there. Um, and you still do all the other things. Like the entrepreneurship side is so challenging, you know, even like what you're doing with, with this. Um, and so, you know, I, I know what it takes, you know, just a little bit. And, and I've only been doing it for a, t a fraction of the time. So, you know, congratulations to what you continue to do. And, um, you know, I, I would be remiss to not say, like, I appreciate that someone who's been doing it for 15 plus years can look down, you know, to someone who's younger, who's, who's trying to do something and, and appreciate it and help promote it and push it, man. That means a lot. So, you know, if nothing else, it just gives me confidence to keep going. So thank you. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate the kind words, you know, but, uh, but yeah, man, I'm truly grateful for your time, Doc. And Thank you so much, man. This is great. And we will be in touch real soon, my friend. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, man. Cheers.